Well, hello all, Tim Kiefer here for MIBT Media, MIBTonline.com. We appreciate everybody uh, joining us today. We have a, uh, a very special guest with us. We're gonna get, we're gonna get to him in a moment. But I, like I said, I want everybody, I want to give everybody a kind of a chance to, to get on the stream. We're actually streaming in three places tonight, which is great. We're streaming not only on our MIBT Online platform, but we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook. So uh, we're going we're gonna to hopefully have a great hour ahead of uh, just talking some football, kind of keeping it you know, casual, a little bit open, just getting some information, just a bunch of guys. Like, pretend we're at the bar, I guess, even though I got fake <laughs> monitors behind me. But go get something to drink, sit by the fire, sit out on the porch, get your YouTube, you know, get your uh, little iPads out there and just kind of enjoy the time that we uh, that we have here. So, uh, like I said, I I want to thank everybody for being here. We're gonna kind of jump around, and I got some announcements here first before uh, before we we get we get it going. So it's uh, just just some things that uh, we have going on here at, at MIBT um, Media, MIBTonline.com that I, I think that uh, I think are important that uh, everybody should uh, should know. So you, you see, our, our our guest is gonna be Tony, and we'll get to Tony here in just a second but uh so our announcements don't forget uh we got uh, bill amani's best practice of officiating video that's ba uh, available bill it's this year it's called high school football officiating best practices it's available at refereedvd.com so be sure to uh go check that out and uh you know it's it's a great video and i i, I recommend any high school official you go and get it if you join our association you get that streaming version free it's 39 dollars a year $59 for insurance, you get uh, supplemental medical and liability insurance, a million dollars liability, and you get uh, 10,000 of the medical, supplemental medical, and that's for any sport. So that's kind of a cool thing. It's not just for football. Uh, so don't forget to do that. Our next meeting is gonna be May 20th. That's gonna be more of an instructional meeting. So uh, we're gonna go over game situations, and Mike Billica, hopefully is gonna be with us, and we're gonna feature him a little bit on that one. Uh, game situations. And that's our formal meeting. I don't know when our next open mic is going to be, but we're working on some. We may have one on May 7th, May 8th time frame at 11 a.m. realize that's early, but that we're going to pull in some people from Europe. So we're still working on the final details there, but that is going to be for the European officials, but anybody is welcome to join. Uh, also, we're going to work on the Japan officials at the end of the month. That'll be at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, central time. So pretty, pretty cool. So uh, I'm going to throw up the text number right now. So you can see the text, it's at the bottom of your screen. If you have any questions, Robert Yabara, we'll get to Robert in a second. He is monitoring the text. So if you have any questions for Tony, for any of the panel for, or whatnot, that's where you wanna do it. You also wanna do it on the chat room as well, but we're gonna, we're gonna, leave, that, we're gonna leave that up there for now. So you know, running around, let's, uh, let's first uh, run around the panel here and bring in our, our guest. Well, uh, first I'm gonna talk to, uh, Bill Lamagne. Bill is, is with us. And, and Bill, you know, Tony is, is a great guy. And I know you've known Tony for years. So I, I appreciate you spending some time with us, Bill. Hey, you know, the other night, Billy Beckett was on. Uh, Tony's on. Uh, Jeepers. Uh, I don't have a lot of good close friends, but you, you nailed two of them right off the bat. You know, and I do want to mention that you, you brought up the DVD, the training DVD. Tony Mahalik's the one that got me started with that. We were working for USA Football at the time. We were looking to raise some money to host officials coming in for a tournament here in the U.S. 
And we put that DVD together for the first time, and we took all the proceeds for it, and we used it to hosting what we have, what, 24 officials or so that came in from around the world. So the, the whole idea of that DVD and getting the training started that way was Tony's. Well, yeah, we'll, we we'll have to, to ask we'll have to, to ask Tony more more about that here in a second. I also want to welcome in our uh, our guy. He's man in the uh, the chat room. He's over there, Robert Yabara. Robert, uh, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm excited because I get to listen to Tony share some of his uh, stories with us. We have Bill who compliments his stories extremely well. I'm able to receive any questions you have. I want, I want us to feel like we're in the same uh, bar drinking a nice cold one together. This is what it's all about. Open mic night. I'm excited, Tim. All right. And so now the man of the hour, I want to bring him in. There he is, Tony Mahalik, NFL umpire. Worked a lot of football before he got to the NFL. He's worked the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the, the man has, has done it all. And we, are, we really appreciate him taking some time out of his schedule to join us and talk football and share some of some of his knowledge with us. Tony, you heard that intro from, from Bill Lamagne. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it too. And it's very special to me uh, to work with Bill on anything, whether it's on the field or that we have done many, many times at pretty much all the levels. And uh, from Friday nights to, uh, heck, the first time I worked with him was a Thursday afternoon game out at Andrew High School. <laughs> we had like a freshman or sophomore game on the third. So, uh, and then, you know, as Bill mentioned, the stuff that we did with USA football, uh, we, I mean, we, sometimes, Bill, we might have talked to each other 20 times and, uh, and, and putting that together and talking about the training tape, uh, that was really special. Uh, I was approached by uh, a young official who was working uh, high school football, trying to work his way up, and he also worked for a video company. And his video company was in charge of all the high school games around uh, Central Michigan. And he came to me at um, uh, Super Bowl uh, 40, and he says, Tony, he says, uh, I've got high school video if you want to do high school training tapes. And so Bill and I got uh, to know him a little bit, and we uh, we uh, traveled to Central Michigan to their studios. We put the tapes together, and uh, we did some stuff on our own as far as uh, the commentary. And uh, it, it was just wonderful. And then Bill was able to take it from there on his own as far as putting it together with the equipment that he had. So uh, that, those training tapes were a lot of fun. Um, we had to, you know, be conscious of a lot of things, right, Bill, on, on how we handled that because we saw some things that, you know, that wasn't really training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and so uh, it, was, it, was really, it was really a special time because we spent a lot of time into that. And then we were one of the first ones to put the, those plays on, on online, you know, so it was, uh, uh, we'd splice those things up and whatever category you wanted, we had it. So, you know, Tony, thanks. Like I said, thank you for, for being here. Um, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna let Bill give you some questions here in a little bit, but I want to first start out and ask you, you know, you have, like I said, you've got this long career and you've, you've worked your way from, from the beginnings all the way to the uh, NFL. So, Give me a little bit of, of how, you know, how we, how we got here. How, how did you get to this point? And, you know, for, you know, we started where you started all the way up until now as, as an NFL official. You know, and, and, and our paths are a lot different than they are today. You know, we went through the path. I worked Pop Warner games and the Southwest Conference and the uh, Catholic schools, and we did those. And, 
you do freshman sophomore games and it took you five years to get a varsity game you know and sometimes it took more and so you you, you paid your dues by working as many games as you can for me i was very lucky um, i worked at the chicago mercantile exchange and my market closed at two o'clock so whenever there was afternoon games during the week i was able to make them and so i got a lot of snaps in and it was i was really fortunate enough to, to be able to do that and what it allowed me to do, it allowed me to work with edu a lot of educators during the week. Um, and, and that's why I said my first game I ever worked with Bill. And it, it gave you a lot of snaps. And you saw everything that happened, especially at those lower levels. We all talk about everybody wants to go up. But the lower levels, everything happens in the game. So I actually worked high school football until I got in the NFL. Uh, I tried to uh, stay with it and uh, work the games whenever I could when I was off from the Big Ten. So you, you work those that levels, and Jimmy Keogh hired me uh, to work in the uh, CCIW. And again, right place, right time, he calls me up, and he says, uh, I got your name from Tom Quinn, and, he, and Tom Quinn says you could probably work umpire, and I'm going to give you three football games. And I'm excited as all can be. You know, I'm going to work three football games. And that was a year we had, uh, I think it was your friend, Bill, uh, Chris Carlson broke his leg. And oh, yeah and somebody broke a leg and then um, somebody else got sick. And sure enough, I, he called me three times with three games. I worked nine games my first year uh, in the CCIW. And so I got three different crews, which was fine. You got to learn more and, and, and that was a big break. And uh, so, you know, at a young age, I worked a nine game schedule my very first year. And that was really fortunate. And um, uh, so from there, you know, uh, the path was to go into the gateway uh, which I didn't do because we had, a, we had a situation come up where the Canadian Football League was had five teams in the U.S. And Jim Keogh, who I was working for at the time, he uh, told us about it, and he says, whoever wants to apply, apply. So I applied. And uh, so I went from CCIW to the Canadian Football League and worked there for two years. And the funny part about that interview, and we all do this, is that I went to the interview, it was up by O'Hara, and it the two gentlemen running the league said, Tom, he says, um, we're going to be, we're going to be probably hiring more deep guys. Have you ever worked side judge? I absolutely. I have. Absolutely. Well, my first game I worked side judge was the first game in the Canadian football league. <laughs> exactly. Of course, we're going to say yes. Right. In an interview like that. And uh, so that was interesting because uh, um, the game is so different, but you learn so much. And I said at the time when I was doing it in 95, 96, I said, if the National Football League with their caliber of player had Canadian Football League rules and Canadian Football League field size, the NFL would be even more popular than it was. And so um, I didn't do the route of going gateway mid-America from there. So I had a couple of good years there and was fortunate enough to get into the Big Ten. And so I know the path is completely different today and there's different uh, reasons for why people move and they move a little bit faster. So for me, it was kind of old school. And then uh, from, I got hired in the Big Ten from there. And then uh, two years later, I was asked to do NFL Europe. We don't have NFL Europe anymore. NFL Europe was probably one of the greatest teachers uh, for anybody aspiring to become even a better college official or in, in the NFL. You worked, you worked two games on your trip, and you went there twice a year or three times a year in the spring. And you went for 10, 12 days. And what you'd learned in between the games was a tremendous amount because you traveled around to 
see museums and you know and, and, and all kinds of things that you did and you traveled around with your crew and you learned a ton and uh, uh, it also learned you also learned how the do's and don'ts of becoming a professional football official you also learned about uh, their mechanics their philosophies and uh, that was a tremendous learning experience and it's a shame we don't have that because uh, a couple of reasons I think that you know getting the snaps over there you make mistakes what's going to happen to you nothing is going to happen to you you know, you're going to learn from it. And it's not in the spotlight of at the time where I was working in the Big Ten. So I think that uh, uh, it's it's too bad we don't have that. Uh, Arena Football League, you know, is kind of pared down a little bit to what it was. Uh, we've had the two leagues the previous two seasons. And guys were getting snaps. Guys were getting experience. It's a shame that they can they, that they weren't able to keep them. So my path is, is interesting because it took me 20 years to get in the National Football League. And... After my very first year in the Canadian Football League, Tom Quinn had said to me, he said, you know, you want you ought to apply to the NFL. And I said to him, Tom, I'm trying to get into the Big Ten. <laughs> I did not have the aspirations to go to the NFL. I mean, I was a Big Ten player. I came from a Big Ten family. I just wanted to get a chance to referee in the Big Ten. And um, uh, he says, well, you know, it takes six to eight years that they're going to look at you. And he says, and at that time, after six years, you know, and, and they offer you the job, you can turn them down. <laughs> and, of course, by then, you don't really, you know, you're, you're into the whole system. And with the NFL Europe, you want it. And so, sure enough, six years after I made my application is when I, when I got hired. And um, that was in 2002, and I'm about to enter my 19th season. Well, I appreciate uh, kind of giving us a synopsis of that. I'm going to throw up the, the text number again so everybody can see if they got a question. I'm going to also throw it over to Robert Yabar right now, and I'm sure Robert's uh, got a question or two. So, Robert, what do we got? All right, I'll throw up a couple of easy ones there for you, Tony. You know, most officials always are not content on where they're at. They always want to keep growing. Was that true in your case that you always wanted to keep advancing up? And even if you made it to a Big Ten conference, was there a certain game you wanted to have? And when you made it to the NFL, was there a certain game you wanted to achieve? Things of that sort. And then the second part of that question, once, once you get through the advancement aspect of it, is just fun. Do you, did you have more fun at any different level? And if so, what, what were the aspects of uh, the enjoyment of each uh, level? Those are two great questions. Uh, one of the things that any of us do is that we want to be the best we can be at where, we, where we're working. And I had some great mentors. I had Bill, you know, I had, I mentioned Tom Quinn. I had great mentors that said, be in the moment, do the best you are, be the best you are, no matter whether you're working a Pop Warner game, you're working a freshman game, be the best you are at the moment, because that's how you're going to be better. And you always want to try and be better. And I always wanted to do an advancement. As I said, I didn't have aspirations for the National Football League. But I did want to go back at whatever that next level was. When I didn't get our varsity games for a while, like I said, it used to take you five years to get varsity. I wanted a varsity game. I wanted to work a varsity game. My first varsity game was in uh, Spring Valley Hall. You know, I saw Gene Hug. I was working um, grammar school games for him, and he says, I got a guy sick. Can you make it? Yeah, I can make it. <laughs> you got to work a doubleheader. Yeah, I don't care. You know, and so that's, that's kind of how you are. You just want to keep going and keep going. And then, as I said, I didn't have the aspirations, but once I got a little taste of what was going on in the Big Ten and then doing NFL Europe in the spring, at that point I was like, yes, I want to do that. And um, uh, as far as fun, um, I'm, 
I'm always having fun on the field. One of the things I tell everybody is that, and I've told coaches this, I tell players this, is that the most enjoyment is the three hours on the football field. And if you, you don't enjoy that three hours on a football field, it's probably time to think about maybe moving on. Because once that ball is kicked off, and I still get the uh, adrenaline going on a kickoff, and I'm on that kickoff line, and I'm you know kind of stretching my legs, ready to go, and all the excitement is there, and I still feel that. And we're talking this is my 39th year officiating on the field. And I've never... And since I was nine years old, I've never missed a football season from a player right into officiating. So I still feel that. And so I really enjoy it. I'm known for having a lot of fun with players. Uh, I talk to the players a lot during commercials, uh, especially you get to know them. I know I, I like to have some goofy things with my crew, um, especially, you know, if a guy makes a really kind of stupid mistake, we did correct it or we – we were able to stop them and we just laugh about it or me when I make them, you know, I'm pretty much known for, uh, uh, providing enough uh, laughter amongst my crew and Alan Baines, someone that does some of the best imitations ever of, of me doing stupid stuff on the field. So uh, the, if you're not having fun, I don't care what level it is, you, you, you know, that's why you're out there for that, for that moment. Camaraderie with the crew is fun. Every crew is different. So if you're talking about, you know, all the years you're doing it, you're with a lot of crews, I got to tell you that, you know, the camaraderie with some of the crews is just amazing. Some is good. And so when you get those amazing ones, you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy every minute of it because you know it's going to change. It's just like when you were playing. Team is going to change. It might look like the same, but it's not. So I, I still enjoy, especially those three hours on the field. Well, I know I'm going to – I'm going to turn things over here to Mr. Lamagna because I know Bill has got a question, and I know that you guys have known each other for a long time, but Bill, come on, there, there's got to be something that maybe we should all know, or maybe Tony can share that you know, but that we don't, that would help everybody who's watching right now. <laughs> no, it, uh, you know, I, I, unlike Billy Beckett, who I've got a lot of stories on, I don't have any anything that, uh, you know, to throw out on the carpet here and... Uh, and have Tony go, what, are I do? what am I doing here tonight? Um, you know, right from the beginning, I mean, when I, as Tony said, we had a chance to work, uh, work some uh, freshman ball and then high school ball together, the varsity game, and then uh, the Division three. Then it, even in the Big Ten, we worked a couple bowl games together, uh, had a couple uh, regular season games. But, you know, I, I think one of the first times I remember seeing Tony officiate, it was soft girls softball. And it was with uh, Catslick yeah. out at uh, Romeoville somewhere. Timmy yeah. Kerr and I were doing a doing a varsity baseball game, and you guys were over doing a softball game, and you guys got done. We were only in the fourth inning or fifth inning, and you guys were done already and have, going to have a cold one. And uh, we, we still had to work a few more innings for the same pay. So, um, you know, but uh, – we just get, we just have some all great memories of uh, over the years with uh, with things. So, uh, you know, I that bowl game we worked in Houston uh, at the uh, at the, uh, the old stadium there, the eighth wonder of the world, the Houston Astrodome. You know, uh, just some just some great great memories there. So 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 Bill, let me let me ask you, Tony. I mean, here's I'm going to throw up a, a picture, and this is kind of a blast from the past. This looks like a Fiesta Bowl 
uh, from, uh, I don't know what year, Bill, you'll have to tell me what year, but uh, you see Mr. Lemagne over there on the side, and it looks like a young, a very young uh, uh, Tony Mahalik in the middle there. So uh, do, you remember, do you remember that game at all, Tony? I sure do. That was January 2nd, 2000. And the reason I remember that it was 2000 because um, family and friends were coming out, but they didn't want to fly on the Y2K. And uh, they were worried about flying on, on, uh, on the, the uh, New Year's Eve. They were going to come out for New Year's Eve, and they didn't want to fly on New Year's Eve because they thought if they got delayed or something and they were in the air, and when, it, when the clock struck midnight, they were gonna, the plane was going to crash or something. So I do remember that's when it was. It was, it was January second, two thousand. So that so, was that so was you're fun. Saying I, you're... I do have a story about Bill from that game. Okay. That was, that... What do we have? Nebraska, Tennessee. Yeah, Nebraska, Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, earlier in our in our working together career, I was a little bit on the um, uh, craziest side. I was uh, I had a little bit of a, a former player in me. And uh, even on, a, on the pregames, you know, they would refer to me as Mad Dog a little bit. And Bill had to, like, teach me how to have some composure on a football field as a, an official versus an ex-player. And so we had a game. We had uh, we were out at uh, IBC, you know, that crazy coach on the sideline over there, Bill Bars, and his buddy with Agowski or whatever. And, and then on the other side was Aurora, and they, and they had just started their program, and, you know, they weren't very good. And, and it was more of BS going on than anything. And I had a guy and this, this giant man in a, in a uh, uh, overalls with flannel shirts. And he was on me, and they allowed him to walk up and down the sideline. And I was working line judge at the time. And uh, I was getting hot. And Bill could tell that I was not focused on the football game. And I was more intent on maybe to fight this guy and talk to him and talk back. And he calls me out in the middle of the field. And he says, how's it going? And I said, well, it's it's going. It's going. I'm having a problem. He says, yeah, you're not even in this game. He says, take your butt. You take your head out of your butt and get in this game right now. He says, if you do something stupid over there, he says, you're going to hurt the crew and you're going to hurt yourself. And he says, and you and I have much bigger places to work than this. He says, so knock it off and get in the game. <laughs> so it was a great speech. As a great speech from a mentor, leader, friend. So we are at that Fiesta Bowl that you just showed. And we're going from the from the third to the fourth quarter. You go to the TV timeout, and you're, we're marking down the spot. Me and Bill are there. I got the ball. And we're going to run to the other side of the field. Before we run to the other side of the field, I put out my hand. And I said, thank you. He goes, what's this for? I said, remember that time at that game at IBC <laughs> where you said we have much bigger places to work? I think this is it. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> I didn't do anything stupid. And all the, all everything you did for me. So here we are in the middle middle of the, going from the third to the fourth quarter. And uh, that just popped into my head. And yes, that, that picture was from a, a little bit bigger game than what we were working that first time. Yeah, wow. they got our, our back judge Tommy Herbert in there. And John Perry, who went on to an NFL career. Yeah. Was that the game? So was, that was quite a group of guys. Yeah. I think Helverson's in that picture, too. Yeah, that's right. Helverson's there. Terry Anderson. Yeah, yeah Terry Anderson. Beckman was the headlinesman. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great picture. Thank you. Lined him up, the tall guys in the middle, and then it went down like a... <laughs>
Right, that was a lot, was lot younger days, though, I'm sure. Right, right, Bill? What's that? That was a lot younger, younger days by, for everybody, huh? Yes, yeah, white nigger days. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go back to, uh, to Robert Ybarra over there. Robert, you got, you got another question, don't you? Sure do. And, and if we were at a bar, I'll be waving over the waitress to buy a round. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So is everyone who's tuned in. Questions are just popping up. So uh, just bear with me on this. But, you know, the, 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 I, we do have a few questions that are kind of tied together. The first one is, and I'm going to string them. Uh, how did you prevent yourself from being injured, pinballed and rolled in the middle? Uh, that's a question. And what's related to that question is, knowing, Tony, that you've worked different positions on the field, how did you communicate differently to players uh, when you were, you know, as a line judge, like you mentioned, or in deep uh, wing? But more importantly, how do you communicate to the players in, internally when you're in the middle? So I'll leave it with that. Well, um, it, it is different. It is different, and uh, I, I'll give you one example where I and, and I had to call Dave Perry. Uh, we, we, at the time, we were called squeaks. We weren't on crew, and that was Dave's uh, term for it. And he didn't realize it, but because it was three different crews, he sent me to Wisconsin three weeks in a row. And I worked line judge, umpire, head linesman. And in preparation for the game, uh, obviously I was trying to get my mechanics down. I was trying to understand, you know, the different things and which side I'm going to be on. And I became, you know, very familiar with Camp Randall at the time. And one of the things I, I took away from those three games was how I did treat the players differently from the sideline to the middle, because you're dealing with different players. And when I'm dealing with the linebackers and, and the defensive linemen, their their mentality is at a different level than even the offensive linemen. The offensive linemen, quite frankly, are the smartest guys in the field. And they they understand when you talk to them, when you give them a warning, when you tell them, hey, that 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 hole was big enough for the WWE. You know, if that ball would have came by there, if it wasn't thrown the other way, I probably would have thrown a flag on you. And you're able to talk to them. And then the defensive side is a lot different because they are more keyed up. And they are, they are way more keyed up. And first of all, you got to try and get their attention if you can. And the second thing is you've got to understand that their response is going to be a lot different. And so you have to be a little calmer. And then dealing on the sideline, you're obviously dealing more with the coaches and you have to be more composed. And they want you to listen. And so one of the things I learned was just don't say anything until you think they're done. And don't try and cut them off. Don't try and be smart. And... Also, you know, just try and look them in the eye. And when you can, if you can turn around, if it's in between plays, you know, then do that. So there was a difference. And it was that point where I learned, because I was working a lot of positions then. When I first got into Big Ten, I was working side judge, line judge, head, head linesman, and umpire. And actually, Bill's on the, th on, the, on the here with us. Bill was pretty much a credit for that, because when I worked at Friday Night Crew, you did have me working a lot a lot, because we had Timmy Curd, umpire. You know, we had different guys. And, and, and I was moving around a lot. The only position I didn't work on that crew was, was referee. So uh, that was a, it was an important lesson. I think those three weeks, I take, a look, I take a look back on that, and I realize how my composure and my temperament was different each week. If you see something during a play and you can help out your crew, please run over and tell us. Because quite frankly, if I mess something up and somebody can come in and tell me something, please do that. I'm not going to take offense to it. I'm not going to uh, get mad. I'm not going to argue with you. I will listen to you and say, okay, you got a better angle on it. Let's go with it. And I think that the, the communication amongst the crew 
has changed now with the O2O. Um, uh, I'm personally not a huge fan of it. Uh, I get made fun of because I rarely talk on it. Um, but um, it's, it's funny because when we do the test before the game, you know, the guys come chime on afterwards. like, oh, that's the last we'll hear of an umpire. Um, and, you know, I think communication has changed quite a bit now. And the O2O uh, sometimes can be used as a crutch. And I never want a, a serious situation given over O2O. I think we still have to get together. So uh, obviously anybody that's officiated knows that it's so important to communicate as far as anything you see, if you have a side block, block in the back, whether you've got penalty enforcement, um, those type of things, even, even clock situation. Boy, oh boy, somebody can communicate and help you on a clock situation. Because if you're in the middle of something, you're not looking up at the clock to see if it stopped if it's when it was supposed to be. Because you're dealing with what you're dealing with. But somebody from the outside has to do that and come in and say it. And uh, so uh, you, you sink or swim with, with communication, when it's bad, whether it's bad or good. So I got a question for you, Tony. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about, like, things that you maybe have communicated. What, what is one of the biggest things that you learn in your career? And this could have started back on that softball game that, uh, that uh, Bill was talking about. But what is, like, give me a nugget or two that, that just things that you've learned that the people watching as they, you know, do through their career, wherever it may be, high school, college, you know, pros, whatever it might be, Little League, what is one, a nugget or two that you've learned that you can share with us? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share two of them. Uh, the thing that helped me the most was one of the things that Bill worked on me when I was young was composure. Um, when it's all going crazy and been and crazy plays happen, you're trying to figure it out. It's really, really important that, that uh, every official on the field is composed because we're the ones that have to, uh, enforce the penalty and do the right thing and, and make sure that we're composed. And it also helps you when you see something. You know, if, if you're composed and you see things, it's really important. And one, one of the things that helped me do that was I was a floor trader for 24 years. And anybody who's seen the, the, the highlights of the old trading floor when we had people on the floor, it was pushing and shoving and swearing. And the markets are going crazy. And for me, it was my own money. And so if I lost my composure, which I did at times, you know, I also lost money. And it was always, always lost money on it. And so one of the things that I learned was to uh, learn to have some better composure to understand and, you know, pretty much have ice in your veins as you go along. And that has kind of helped me go along tremendously through my career. Once I figured out what I had to do. And one of the sayings that some of the referees in the NFL don't like that I do is when, if I'm coming running up going, whoa, 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 slow down. Let's, let's talk about this. When they hear the whoa, 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 they know let's slow down. We got something going on here. John Perry, I was talking to him the other day, and he thought he says, "I hate, I hated when I heard the whoa, whoa, whoa coming," you know. And so I think that's important. The next thing to do, I just mentioned, slow down. We talk about slow down ourselves, but try and learn to slow down the game. One of the things that helped me from the trading floor was the fact that the market was so fast, and everything was going so fast, a million miles an hour, that when I stepped onto the football field. The game was slow, and I recognized that probably when I was in uh, doing the varsity in the Division Three level for Jimmy Keel was the fact that I was like, wow, I'm seeing more. 
I'm seeing more on the field when it happens. And to this day, if I don't see things, if I don't see every block, what I do is I refocus up to slow down the game. And then I, what I do is, and I take a chance, I narrow my, I narrow my vision. I said, I got to start over. I gotta, I'm not seeing everything. I'm not, the, the game isn't slow enough. I got to start over and I'll narrow the vision down, you know, and I'll, and I'll just say, all right, I'm just going with center on this, this block. I'm just going center. I'm not going swinging on. I'm, I'm just going to go center. If I catch myself that I have to do that, but slowing the game down, not just yourself. And I think if you can slow down the plays and I, I, I believe video work helps you with that uh, to do that because you anticipate things and you, you, you watched it and you've seen it and your mental images are there. And, um, so those two things, you know, obviously try and do your best to always be composed and then try to slow the actual football game down. No, I think that's, those are great points. And, uh, I, I know that, uh, and Bill taught me this uh, at one time. He was talking about how you can watch a game, just not like in normal speed, but just a little bit faster when you're doing your, your film review. And if you watch it just a little bit faster, then you have to, you have to you know, do all the calculations and everything and, and figure it out just a tad faster. And uh, Bill, do you remember, do you remember that, you know, talking about that? Yeah, it, it's, it's the premise that, you know, if you watch it at one speed faster, and you, again, you just focus on your area, your keys, your zone. If you can start picking up the things that are in your key and zone that one speed faster, you go back and put it on regular speed now, and it's like, whoa, this is, this is neat. And what Tony's talking about, it's, it's, it, he's really brought in a different angle to what we've talked about several times about mental imagery, about that, that book that I promote all the time, The Inner Game of Tennis. Where, yeah. where you're taking and, and using your subconscious mind versus your conscious mind. Use your subconscious mind to practice or your conscious mind to practice. But when it's time to perform, let's be in a subconscious state. And the, the points that Tony made there are, are just excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, Tony, we, we like I said, appreciate you being here. And we'll, we'll keep you here for a little bit longer. I don't want to ruin your whole night, but uh, <laughs> We got Rob. We're going to go to Robert now. Robert, you've got uh, you've got some questions, Robert. I do. I, I I do. I have a lot of questions coming in, and thank you, viewers, for uh, being courageous enough for sharing your questions. This is all fun. Uh, one here, uh, Tony, is just related to Sarah Thomas, a female official in the NFL. Uh, you know your view and the and the league's view on how her performance is, and just the acceptance of her uh, officiating at that level. Well, I was fortunate enough to work uh, my very first time with her on a playoff game in San Francisco this January. We had a divisional game against the Vikings, and it was the first time that we had worked. And um, I, I, I spent a long time complimenting her during the game and after the game. I thought she did a great job. Um, and uh, she's worked very hard. And uh, I understand that there was agendas to, 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 to do this, but it was, it was right to do. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little biased towards it because my wife was the first female official, football official in Canada. And so obviously it's ingrained in me and Bill and I worked together with the IFAF and I sent the first all female officiating crew of 24 female officials to Sweden in 2010 to work the um, female tournament of eight teams. And so for me, uh, I just want the best officials on the field, uh, whoever can officiate the best. And um, I, I really enjoyed working with Sarah on that San Francisco game. I thought she did a great job. 
and she's working she's working really hard and uh, I, she's getting better all the time and uh, I thought her composure I thought the uh, communication that she did over the O2O was terrific and uh, actually one time the chains had moved and I went to um, I went to uh, enforce a penalty and I went back from the I'm sorry the box had moved and I went back from the box and she caught it that the box had moved because uh, the flag was late and the box guy moved down and she had caught the fact that the box had moved. And I thought that was great. And she started screaming at me, which was a different scream though. <laughs> I'll tell you that, a little different voice coming over. And she was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I go, I went from the box. It's a previous spot foul. She goes, yeah, but the box is wrong. And I thought that was great. I mean, she really saved us there because we would have been off like, like three, four yards at the time. So uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. Uh, and, um, I just, I, I think now because she, she's broken the glass ceiling, I think that there's a, and you've seen it in all the conferences. I think there's a whole drive to help make the female officials, uh, better. Um, and there's a conscious state of it and it's not just a, uh, um, uh, just a thing to do. And I think that, uh, I think that people are recognized. And I also think that the female officials have their, their, the people that are in front of them to look up to and ask questions to, and for them to help. And I, so I think the road is, is, is wide open for it. And especially with the shortage in, in, in uh, the lower levels of officiating, um, you know, women are way more responsible than we are, um, you know, and they, and they just, they, they have a way of doing things. And uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's great. And obviously I'm a proponent with all the things that I just stated earlier. Well, absolutely. We'll take, we'll take, uh, legal and illegal aliens to officiate at this point. I mean, we need everybody, anybody, or like, like they come out of the sky, you know, that we'll take whoever, please sign up for the, go to your state local association and sign up. We'll give you, we'll get you games. I know Robert, you've got another question. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a, I have a great question by this uh, viewer and, and thank you again for sharing your questions. These are excellent. This question, Tony, is related to mechanics and obviously your role uh, well, as an umpire has changed before it was pretty, easy communication. The referee will explain the uh, foul to the umpire. The umpire would know the penalty enforcement yardage. Umpire would handle it. Obviously, that, that responsibility has shifted. So that's one part of the question. The deeper end of the question is, when you worked at Division I, Big Ten level, uh, you know, you had solid, great mechanics, but then now you're, you've progressed to the NFL, and I'm sure they've instructed you to change your mechanics uh, in one shape or another. What were some of those changes that made you a better umpire based on the progression and understanding of newer mechanics? Well, I think, I think just basically this, when you get a lot of snaps, it makes you better and understanding what, uh, when you move from one level to the next, and it didn't matter what level, there's always a, there's always a, um, a level of um, uh, where the fouls are. So as you move, as you move up, the fouls are different on what they want called. And it's usually what the conference wants called. So you have to learn how to officiate the way they want the game played. And we have different points of emphasis every year. So that changes how we're going to officiate the game. And it's unfortunate that that happens. And sometimes there's a play that causes it. And we have to do that. But when the mechanics are, are, are changed, anytime you change mechanics, no matter which of the officials there are, there's going to there's gonna create a hole. And so if you change... Uh, deep mechanics on punt plays or kick plays, you know, if you change it, anytime you move it around, you know, the college has eight officials and there's a 22 
players out there, you're going to, there's going to create a hole. And so when the, when the umpire, they were using us as picks in the NFL and they were really very good. And I, and I used to say that, wow, I can't believe this is used more at the at the NFL level than at the college level. Well, then it took me a little while to figure out why, because as they get older, as players get older is what I'm talking about, and they become more mature, they run their routes differently. And a college route is run as precision of seven, eight yards, make the cut, no matter where the cut is. And that's it's always precision that way. When they get to the NFL, they read the defense and they run to open areas. And so, and the quarterback and the receivers know that. And so it's, it's completely different. It's not a seven and across, a seven and out. It, it, it is a, a, an area that they go to. And so what I learned was, was that they use the umpire differently than they do in college. And it was a, it was a set play of where they would go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skim off the umpire. Some of the umpires were a little deeper than others. I was about six or seven on the defensive side. And they knew that on a, when you read pass, the umpires were moving up. And so they knew about which umpire, and they actually had scouting tape on our officials in the NFL on Saturdays that they go over. And so they knew to go across. And the interesting part was, is that I could feel it. I could feel the tight end or, or slot looking at me. I could feel it. I could feel the eyes as I was looking at my lineman in front of me. And then they would run off of me, and of course the defensive back would, 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 uh, would bump into me a little bit. And the interesting part was earlier in my career, if you think about these names, Antonio Gates, right? Remember him? Tony Gonzalez and um, uh, Jimmy Graham. What else did they do? What other sport did they play in college? They're all basketball players, right? They're all bas They knew how to run the pick, and they were very, very good at it. And so um, we had a couple guys get hurt. We had some major injuries off of that. And so there was a, a push, and uh, it wasn't um, long after, I think it was Andre Rush broke his uh, femur, and uh, uh, Butch Hanna got uh, the back of his leg whipped around. And so they said, let's experiment with the offensive side. Well, first of all, you're, gonna, you're, you're creating a hole. And the college didn't think that they needed to do that, and they brought the center judge in, which is great. And so they moved this, and it created a hole. And so what happened was is defensive holding started happening again. And so we had to figure out how to do that. And so anytime you make a mechanic change, it leaves a hole. Now, personally for me, I was an old school umpire, former linebacker, but I will tell you this, when they, when they moved me, it was, I think it was 2010, we, 2011 we moved. All I looked for at that point, selfishly, was this is going to extend my career. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, people would ask me, how do you feel about it? Extends my career, you know, and so, but no, we, we've had to work on it. It was, it was, it was a work in progress, quite frankly. And, um, but now you see, you know, there's an emphasis on holding, which there was the last couple of years. Now you see a little bit more of the grabs on the other side and you're able to slow it down a little bit more because you're on the other side and you don't have all the crossing of the players. So changes in mechanics uh, always get pushback. There is always pushback in change in mechanics and, um, I'm a, I'm a believer in opening and trying changing mechanics uh, because we're always trying to get better. And, uh, you know, sometimes it don't work. We, we were trying the eighth official, and, you know, we, we couldn't figure it out in the NFL. So um, we did a lot of experiments too. We did eighth official on the side, eighth official, you know, uh, deeper than the umpire was, eighth official in the offensive backfield. We had three in the offensive backfield. 
I never did that one personally, but I was afraid I'd be running into people because I'm, I'm kind of run. I kind of run a lot. So, uh, changing mechanics are, are always with a little bit of a pushback, but you always hope it works out. So Tony, I know you mentioned before with, with the work you did with Bill early on the, on the DVD and the video, and I'm going to bring Bill back in here in a second because I would really like to talk you to talk about your time with, with USA football. I know it didn't end the greatest, but I mean, it was, it was revolutionary at the time of trying to come up with this um, association, whatever it was, through a national group for officials. And I know you're very proud of the work that you did do with them. Um, and I'm going to bring Bill back in because, Bill, you guys pretty much put that thing together. Yeah, and again, Tony spearheaded that, um, and we had we had it was really first designed for the the youth football official and maybe into the high school level, uh, but um, it it was fantastic with all the um, the mechanics things that we we had. The uh, uh, I even went down to Kansas City and uh, put on the black suit with the with the balls and and did the filming of all the signals and everything else. And then they made a cartoon character. Um, I was Hispanic. I was uh, African-American. I was white, uh, doing all the different things with holding and pass interference and things of that nature. So it, it was really a neat, uh, it was, a, and again, one of the first times something like that ever, ever was done. So um, I think it, for, at the time it got a lot of mileage out of it, but they, I don't know if they just weren't in a position anymore to continue with the financing of it. And, um, and I also think for the youth football official, I think it, it for them to pay a fee that they were asking them to, to do, uh, you were asking the youth official to, to, between uniforms, local association dues, state dues, and now join a, a USA football thing. Uh, I think we were making it maybe cost prohibitive too for for the youth official yeah and uh, it, it was it was it was groundbreaking in a way that what we did tim is that um we we brought awareness to number one this was in 0506 when we started uh we brought awareness to the shortage of officials and now there's a lot of media about it and so we were under we knew what was going on we were involved in our association and and so we thought that you know what here's the problem the retention rate was so low that let's let's get a program because there were no programs out really out there for training youth officials and let's get a program because if we can help them have a successful season when they first start the rookie year and they can have a good second year and we can get them back and we make this process as easy as possible you know we have a chance to build up a a, a lot of officials to come in and it was there was a lot of pushback we had a lot of pushback in a lot of places, state associations, local associations. Uh, and, and Bill and I went back and forth with a lot of people. We're like, please, we don't want to take over what you're doing at this association. We're just, here's a, here's a resource. Here's, here's some help. And this is what we want to do. And unfortunately, the powers to be did not see the importance of officiating. And so they didn't understand. And as Bill said, they, they, they dropped the funding of it. And uh, it was a shame because we were about to get three of the biggest states to sign on with us. And we, and I, I felt if we got uh, California, Ohio, and Florida, which we did a lot of clinics and we did a lot of work with, I felt if we got those three states, it would snowball into more. 
because they had 2,500 fish, football officials in California at the time. Oh, no, they had more than that. I'm sorry. They had 4,500. And um, uh, Florida was obviously, you know, what comes out of Florida in football-wise. And Ohio was big back then in football. And it was it was something I thought that we could do. And that was right when we when they ended the program. And I said, you know, I said, we got it. We got it where we wanted. And, and that was the point where they decided to spend the money on the international teams. So they took our budget away and they put it on an extra international team that was – I don't remember, but where were they going? Australia or something that year? And um, when they when they shut us down, and so um, that they had to bring uh, you know 53 players, 10 coaches, trainers, you know stuff like that. So I remember yeah. the I remember the work I, you, you did, uh, Bill. I'll get right to you. Say I remember the work you did, Tony, with uh, with that, and you know when it started out, you came to our association and grassroots and trying to get some help, and I appreciate all the work back then, back in 2005 and that, and, and doing, trying to get the grassroots effort going. I know Bill, Bill, you get, you had a, an additional comment here. No, I was just going to say, you know, the, the positive thing that came out of it, I guess, uh, was for both Tony and I, the, the, the new friendships and the, our exposure into the international, uh, game. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, been phenomenal. And, um, you know, and it, so that that part of it there, uh, broadening our horizons in, into the world of football, and it was probably an eye opener. Tony had the experience in NFL Europe, and kind of had probably had a feel for how much football was being played on the side over there uh, in Europe. But it was just a total eye opener for me. Uh, you know that that American football uh, had its foot in the ground as as well as it did around the world. So I'm going to go back to Robert here. Robert, uh, I'm sure we only got a few more minutes left, so we don't want to keep Tony. I told him an hour, so we're not going to keep him uh, very long. But before I get to, to Robert, I want to remind everybody, like our Facebook page, share what we're doing. All Everything we're doing is free for a long time here until things get, get better. I mean, we have the association, which gives you access to all the archive stuff that we do. But all the live meetings that we're going to do here, probably through the month of July for training and just to make us all better and have fun and like I said, we're going to do one for from Europe. We're going to do one from Japan, talking about all the international stuff here. So just stick with us. Our website, MIBTonline.com. If you want to join, great. Enjoy the stuff that we're doing. we got more Facebook Live stuff coming. We're doing the Pelham Report. I'm trying to get word information out to people all the time. So, uh, Robert, going to jump things over to you uh, for one, maybe one last question or two for Tony. What do you got? Yeah, thank you very much. Can I do a three-prong question? Uh, yes. the, the first two are kind of easy. So the first question is, has replay made the officials in the NFL more tentative or less tentative? That's number one. Related to that is, based on that, uh, if you see something in someone else's pond, is it best to save the crew or is it best to maybe not get involved because it's out of your area and, and you're being so uh, critiqued on your area? And then lastly, the last question is, you know, you mentioned you had some good dialogue with players in between timeouts or during uh, dead ball situations. What are some of the funny exchanges that you may have had with some players? And I'll end with that tonight. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, well, when it comes to replay, I know we're accused a lot of uh, officiating a replay. And I, I, I find that I find that um, so far from the truth because of the fact that one of the things that you're doing is you, you're, you're, you're officiating on instinct. You're officiating on what you see. You don't have time to think, well, this will help for replay. And, and so when, when, that, when that's said, 
I, I, me personally, I find that just impossible. I don't really think that. I see when I see a play, when I see action, a call is a call is a call, and I make it our uh, decision. And so, um, uh, you know, I don't work the pylon, and I don't work the pylon, so I don't know if the guys in the pylon will have to say, you know what, I'm gonna give it a score because they're always reviewed. You know, if it's that tight, and we know those tight pylon plays, they are at every level. You know, sometimes they are just uh, they are just tough to do. The players coming at you, can't get back, whatever it is, you got people behind you, and you know, that's probably the only time I could think that, that maybe replay can come into play where you say, that's tight. I'm going up with it because it's going to get looked at, at least at my level. And so I, I otherwise, I don't really see that. Uh, or I can't, I don't see how I could do that. And we're in my position. So I don't know if I believe any of that at all, because when it's tight like that, you're just going to officiate to the best of your ability. And so uh, it's nice to know. When we when we shut it down, that replay can fix it. If I'm wrong, I will say that I I, I find that comforting, that that I'm not going to be talked about on social media. I'm not going to be talked about, you know, uh, you know, on Sports Center or not, not Top Ten or Come On Man, you know, if, if, if something happens and while we're standing there in the dead ball period, all of a sudden they're thinking about whether they're going to challenge or it is an automatic challenge or whatever it is, you know, I know one thing, it's going to be fixed if I was wrong. So. Um, don't officiate the replay because I don't think you really can. He can be any good. But at the same time, in the back of your head, you know that if something happens after the play, you're standing there. Even though talking to your, your teammate out there, you just say, well, replay will fix it for me. So uh, that's one of the things. Um, fishing out of your pond. Boy, you better be right. Um, we I, I mentioned earlier, you know, side block, block in the back. I think that's a one that's pretty common. Um I think that sometimes uh, pass interference, um, uh, you know, you, you better be right. Uh, the guy that worked the Super Bowl this year, he, he's got most courage I've ever worked with as far as a back judge goes because of the fact that, uh, you know, and though there's a few of them there like that, but he's one of them that, that has that. And he, he, will, he will fire out of his pond if he sees it. And so you like when a person does, and you also gain trust when a person does and they're right. But if you have somebody that fishes out of their pond and they're, they've been wrong, you know, that, then, and they want to come in and they want to be combative about it, then it, then it poses a whole different thing about communication, maybe doing something, you know, after the game, maybe doing something next week's pregame. Uh, I think that fishing out of your pond is, is something that you want somebody on your crew that, that's willing to do. I think it's really important. To have the courage to do that, and you know, I talk about the guy who did the Super Bowl last year, Greg Steed. I've been on a crew with him for a while now, and I, I have seen him come out of nowhere on stuff and be right. And the, the one that, that the one that I liked the most was when he came out of nowhere. We had a Thursday night opener a few years ago um, in Philly, and man, he came down there and and he gave Atlanta another untimed down when he came out of his pond and he had something on it. And, and I thought we were, we were in Philly. I thought, oh, my God, you better be right. <laughs> you better be right because they're going to kill us here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but he, he came out of his pond. So, uh, you know, it's just you just know that if someone's on your crew that's willing to do that and they have the courage and they have the history of being right, you love having that behind you, somebody having your back. Uh, at the same time, 
you know, if somebody has a history of doing wrong, then you need to have a crew meeting and talk to them about it. So, or her, and talk to them. Um, and the last question was about uh, funny stories about players. Well, when I'm in Chicago, I like to tell, there's a lot, I have Chicago stories, and the one I like to tell is about is Kyle Long. Kyle Long recently retired, right? He had a lot of injuries. And I had Bears in Indianapolis, and um, uh, down in Indianapolis, and the uh, color was hurt. Hoyer was the quarterback. And um, the Bears that year had a decent year, but they couldn't just, they, they just couldn't finish. They couldn't finish a drive. They weren't scoring. And this particular game was the same. And they were only down by seven points, I think, or yeah, four or seven points. It was one of those things. They finally get a play. They finally get a play from the 50-yard line. They go down to the seven-yard line. And at that time, we crossed over in the backfield. We had a couple of years where we crossed over. So I'm on the left side, but I have the right guard on a pass. I have the right tackle. I have the center, the right guard, the right tackle. And Kyle Long, this guy, is, is, is beating him, and he's got his arm around his to see if the defender comes through and the defender starts to come through and so you know i'm waiting on my flag waiting on waiting i don't have holding yet i don't have restriction yet i don't have him taking a step away yet now the guy gets through and kyle puts his arm his big big old arm right around his thigh and with his right hand then pushes him push him over boom i got the flag now this play goes down i finally got a play and as we're coming he's coming back to me he knows and I'm running downfield, dead ball officiating, and I happen to run right into him. We, we, we walk right by each other. And, and I look at him in the face, and I go, Kyle, I said, I said, when you had him around the waist, I was going to let it go. I said, I said, but then you tuck him around the, around the thigh and you dump him on the back. I had to throw. Yeah, I know, so I know. So the Bears punt. Indy comes out. They go three and out, punt. So we're in TV timeout. Remember the guy, Zach Miller, the tight end, you know, had that horrible injury? Well, this wasn't that game, but he had the horrible, uh, he, had a, he had a hold earlier that I let go. He had the guy on the outside. He had him on the outside of, the, of, his, of his shoulder pad, and what happened was somebody came in behind him and tackled the runner. So him and I, I'm in the Bears huddle during the TV timeout, and I'm talking to Zach Miller, and all I hear is, hey, Tom, hey, Tom. And I'm like, hold on, Kyle. And I know he wants he wants more explanation on the whole. They always do. And he's going like this. So if I could do this, and then he's going like this with his hand, and he's crossing like this. And he's yelling my name. Finally, I go, "What?" I look at him. I go, "What?" He goes, "You know what I'm doing?" I go, "What?" And and he says, "I'm crossing you off my Christmas list." <laughs> he says, "I can't believe it. you and I know each other that well, and you decide to call holding on me." He says, "Right off the Christmas list, you go." And so uh, we, uh, the whole team laughed, and, you know, and I laughed. And uh, those are the type of relationships that, that you know that, yeah, I'm going to be calling holding on him and throwing flags out for whatever, hands to face, whatever. But at the same time, they know where I stand. They know what, what, what we can get away with and what we can't. And they appreciate, you know, the honesty and the transparency that I give them throughout the game. And, you know, we were able to joke about this. And so uh, that – those are the types of things, and I got a, a million of those stories. Those are fun. So I don't know if that answers the question. No, I think it does. It's great, great stuff. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Before I do, though, I want to throw things back to uh, 
Mr. Uh, Mr. Lamagne, Bill, I know uh, I'm going to give you kind of the, the last word here. I'm sure you've got something for Tony. No, I just, uh, I'm, I'm glad Tony had time and the desire to come on and join us. Um, brought back some great memories, great times we've had together, both with, both on the field and then with our families too. And um, uh, just uh, be one of the things I will always remember, uh, even uh, in the years ahead, was uh, the time and, and friendships uh, in that with Tony. So, Tony, um, you made me proud all along the way. And you say I was a mentor to you. You've been a mentor to me too, young man. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. I feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way. And uh, it's been... Uh, it's been quite a journey and like you said earlier bill about the friendships and the relationships and you know worldwide and uh it's it's a great fraternity or we can i don't even know we'd say fraternity anymore it's a great group you know and uh it's uh it's been privileged and lucky to do this um one of the things that, that that's important is 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 appreciate where you are no matter where what level you are because you know you have courage to do this and you're somebody in your community. And the funny thing, when I try to talk, when we used to talk, I used to tell people, people are going to recognize you out there. They're going to recognize you at the, at the Pop Warner field. They're going to recognize you at the high school field. You are somebody in your community. And it means a lot. It means a lot to people. So I think that uh, uh, we have the privilege to do this. And uh, I feel fortunate to do it. And I'm 59 now. And 39 years total doing it and uh you know boy oh boy would i love to get another 10. Uh, my daughter one daughter last me she goes dad you've been saying 10 years for five years now so uh you know you just you just want it to be fun and have a good time i appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and um i'm always always available uh and you know anytime you need anything as far as uh, any type of questions answered or anything like that just feel free to reach out to me well, I appreciate it. And apparently, I guess we're going into overtime. I, we're tied up and we got to go to overtime. For some reason, Robert is yelling at me. Robert, what do we got? Well, for, uh, Tony, you're so popular. But Tim, you're going to have to invite him back. The, the, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't get to half of the questions, but I, did, I do have to end on this one because it is kind of important, Tony. Uh, there's a great viewer, loyal viewer, great member with MIBT Online that wants to know, can you verify Bill's natural hair color? <laughs> Is that coming from like Billy Beckett or something? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow. Wow. There we oh, go. Taking funny. shots here at the end. I love it. We're taking shots at wait the end. Just wait till the next meeting, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to that's gonna do it here for uh, MIBTonline.com, our, our open mic. Tony, thank you once again for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you and, and for just spending the time. I know everybody loved it, and hopefully we'll get you back sometime. And, and uh, just thanks for everything. Appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for having me, and it's always great to see you guys and can chat with you guys. and uh, It's really fun. Thank you. All right, great. So thanks, Tony. I want to thank Robert over there for all the questions and then uh, for, uh, for Bill Lamagne for not wearing the toupee tonight, but maybe we'll see that next time. Uh, remember, we've got the uh, international stuff coming up, uh, more open mics. Go to the website, check it all out. We've got our, our meeting on May uh, uh, 20th, May 20th, I believe, is our, our next meeting. And uh, that's we're going to talk well, a little bit more situational, a little bit more formal meeting. And have a great night, everybody, and uh, thanks for being here. I'm Tim Kiefer, and we'll, we'll catch you then. So long. <laughs>